Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for war? Whoa, you know what that sound means, ladies and gentlemen. That means another episode, another installment of the Conspiracy Farm. Me, Jeffrey Wilson, riding shotgun with my co-host, UFC Hall of Famer, Pat Melitich. How are we doing this evening, champion? We're doing super now that we've got our guest and you and I all compiled together. We're ready to rock and roll. And well, we definitely... Unique, unique guest. All of our guests are unique guests, but this one's uh, a little more special than most, of course, because uh, I know him so well and have spent a lot of time with him and seen some of the crazy shit that he's done and and yeah it's, a, it's an honor to honor to have him on well and we're definitely going to get into it uh this is a is a very special guest i love me some some dave clark just gave it away but we also we cannot be remiss my friend you we had the, the the farm has had an exceptional week we have to welcome fortunately tens of thousands of new farmers my friend your appearance on the joe rogan podcast as they say that the joe rogan bump is real and we have to thank him for that Oh, definitely. I mean, he uh, spent three hours with me. That was a blast. David Clark was with me. We had a good time out in L.A. And, I, you know, the, we had a pretty diversified conversation. We talked about some geopolitical domestic policy stuff. We talked about sport. We talked about a few other things. And talked to, touched a little bit on ultra running, which David Clark will give you what real ultra running is all about tonight on this podcast. But, no, it was, it was very cool, man. And Joe's, Joe's a very gracious guy and and – loves helping people out that are on his podcast and he certainly did that for us well and it did it definitely did and you know the t-shirt is definitely on its way and you know i i have to give you much thanks man i mean you you gave love to not just myself but the you know my the, the original kind of podcast that got this whole going it's me speaking to you and ladies and gentlemen it, it is an, another podcast that i host uh, much more lighthearted conversations i've had on pat i've had on dave clark boss rootin kamala the ugandan giant um it's just a little bit of variety uh, a variety of guests discussing a variety of issues i'm going to post a link in this video so you can go check that out at your leisure but man again thank you and you know we, we've gotten so many different comments uh on on it's, it's been crazy the last you know 72 hours since that so um well we are we are off and rolling for another episode dave clark author of uh what i'm sorry uh please help me please help me out there story of ultra Recovery. thank you thank you that was that was more plugging than like you'll see in five minutes on Pornhub. <laughs> well, we're plugging you now, my man, out there, as well as he hosts his own podcast called We Are Superman. I mean, uh, this, I, I got so much love for this guy's story, and, and you're definitely- yeah, He's got his own radio show in Denver called The Lactic Acid Trip. <laughs> oh. That's perfect for him when you, hear the, when you hear the word, he's, when you hear the world that he's into. Um, yeah. It's just, just, I'm sorry, just start, sorry to regret, but it's just, it's just been a cool week, man. It's just been a cool week, and I thank you again, Patrick, for signing me up for this. It's been an awesome ride, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, let's go, baby, let's go. No problem. You know, while I'm sitting here looking at David, the people at home won't be able to see him because we're not doing a video, we're doing an audio, but he's got a giant copy, a poster of out there, his book, The Story of Ultra Recovery, and then the Leadville 100 poster behind him with one of his, with one of his, uh, what number one ninety nine he was in that particular year, and that was my uh, first one. That was your first one. That's badass. So, you know, 
let's talk a little bit about your beginning in that journey of becoming an ultra runner and just finding happiness is probably the biggest story of all of it, right? The, the greatest thing that came from all of it, but um, kind of what your life was before you entered into happiness and health and everything else. Yeah, man. I mean, the, wow. I mean, the, the majority of my life was spent, you know, just trying to stay alive and in, in a very literal sense, you know, um, you know, it's a it's a real long book, but I, I'll give the 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 five minutes on it. And you know, I grew up tough, uh, not as tough as some, but tougher than others. But I lived in the back of my father's pickup truck and was introduced to the art of survival at a young age. You know, we didn't uh, just eating and getting through a day was was an accomplishment. And I spent a lot of my formative years like that. My dad traveled around, started a food bank in Florida. We lived from church to church, campground to campground in the back of my dad's truck. And, um, you know, that was uh, that was my kind of early years. And then later in my my teens and early 20s, I, I decided I, I wanted to try to go a different direction. And you know, being a rebel in my family seems like was was going to college and getting a job, you know, and I did that, man. I, I went to school and worked my way through college selling mattresses and got a 4.0 and ended up strangely being 29 years old and made every single one of my dreams come true. I had the houses, I had the cars, I owned a business doing 8 million plus per year and should have lived happily ever after, but I didn't. You know, I was miserable, miserable, miserable. I was drinking myself to death, drugging myself to death, eating myself to death. And it was that idea of um, throwing that all away and looking for a new life that ultimately led me to ultra marathons. And the cool thing about all of this is, you know, a lot of people, you know, when they hear your, when, you know, a lot of people are sure paint a picture in their head of living in the back of your dad's pickup truck and all this other stuff. And then you know, you running into problems with alcohol and drugs, they would probably just jump to a conclusion and say, well, obviously his dad was, was uh, you know, a drunk and a drug addict, but that wasn't the case. He was actually a legit solid guy who just fell upon tough times and things just totally. you know, were tough, right? Totally, man. My dad's an electrical engineer. He was a plant manager in his 30s, very successful, very educated. And honestly, he kind of... Um, he, he took, you know, very similar, you know, I, my story is a lot more similar to my dad's. I'm realizing that later in life, but he went on a spiritual journey of his own. He wasn't trying to run ultra marathons. He was trying to find the truth of God. And um, that that uh, set in a, a very long chain of events that that brought us to those tough circumstances. But now he's super sharp guy. No substance abuse issues in my family. Certainly no no problems work worth work ethic or anything like that. Just, a, a, you know. Life doesn't always go the direction you think it's going to go, right? And you, you had to you had to attain a GED before ever going to college, right? Yeah, man. I think my formal my my last formal year of education was like the fourth grade, which I think qualifies me to be president now, actually. But <laughs> but uh, that's another story. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> but no, yeah, I did, man. I, I had to get a GED. I was an avid reader, you know, and through all of that. My mom kind of homeschooled me and. I just read, man. I took it all in. And I mean, you know, not like Nancy Drew books, but like I was reading management manuals and uh, books on our founding fathers and Dickens and Poe and anything I could get my hands on. You know, if, if it was a book, I'd, I'd just read it. And that, that actually laid the base, set set the stage for, for me to, I think, be able to articulate myself at a level that, you know, wasn't really necessarily commensurate with my education. 
So on these long road trips, obviously traveling across the country with your family, your dad driving, all that good stuff, you were laying around in the back of the pickup truck. What inside was there a topper on the back of the truck while you were reading? Is that what it was? Yeah, man, just just a regular old topper, and uh, m- myself and my older brother and my mom. That's pretty wicked, man. That's cool. I can just see you laying there, <laughs> fifth grader, <laughs> sixth grader, reading reading a book, driving down the highway, buddy. You know, no. it's just, man, it doesn't even seem real. It really doesn't. But you know, I'm I, I it's it's such a bizarre circle that we go on in life because. You know, I think that um, it's easy for someone to also read into that, that, oh, that's why that dude ended up so fucked up. You know, that's why he ended up crawling inside of a bottle. Um, and there's probably a tiny bit of truth to that. Like, whatever it is, we all have, we all can find reasons to disconnect ourselves from life, right? It could be a good reason or a bad reason, but we find those reasons. But later on, I realized that what a what an amazing gift my dad gave me in that life. Because, number one, we were surrounded by love. You know, it wasn't tough. That's why I always hesitate when I say I grew up tough because I grew up, the, the, the finances might have been tough. You know, the circumstances might have been tough. But, man, I, I've seen people grow up, you know, with their, you know, trying to trying to stop their dad from beating up their mom every night, you know. And, and that's that's real tough. My, my life wasn't tough when it comes to that, man. I had nothing but love. Right. So as you moved, you know, through adult life, you've had a very successful business, make, bringing in millions of dollars a year, having a good time, all, all that. But but you were miserable. What what put a stop to all of that? What was the final, what was the final thought process, or you know, what was the final moments of of deciding that your life had to change? You, you're talking about my, my journey, my substance abuse yeah. journey, and all. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just eventually reach the point. You know, that, and and I, I talk about this so much because I have a lot of people reach out to me, and I I speak on the subject of weight loss and addiction and. You know, it's not always the holiday nar- or the Hollywood narrative, you know, that, that, you know, you don't, I wrecked my car, I went to jail, I did all that shit, and it, and it wasn't enough, you know? <laughs> it was a day like any other day, man, but basically, I think it's the same for every single person. The external circumstances change, but internally, you get to the point where it's just like, I'm not fucking living like this anymore. You know, this is, this is as low as I want to go, and what's happening around you is irrelevant, because once a person's there... Once they say the pain of staying here is 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 worse than any pain I can think of moving forward, they will change, and you will you won't be able to stop them. They're gonna make it happen. That's where I was, man. I was just tired of it. I was I was I was either gonna die or live, and I wasn't sure which one I wanted more. Honestly, turns out I wanted to live. Turns out so I it wasn't. Live more it, it wasn't like a circumstance where it was. Your wife telling you you had to, or your kids telling you, "Daddy, please stop," or anything like that. No, man. I mean, I wish I would have got out with you know while I still had a million dollars in the bank, <laughs> but that wasn't my story. It had to get bad for me, you know. And even after I lost everything I had and I went bankrupt, I still kept going. You know, I still kept going, and and I rode that till till you know for years and years and years. But um, it was, you know, eventually it had to be, I had to do it for me, right? That's that's the only way we can make a change. But it was a thought about my kids that initially inspired me to make a change. And I was at this place where I was kind of uh, taking passive aggressive suicide attempts where I would end a night of drinking by swallowing a handful of five or six Vicodins and think, you know, worst case, worst case, I don't wake up, you know, and that's not so bad. And But I, I had this thought where it was like, you know, I looked at my kids. They were they were just babies, man. They were like three years old, twins. And I thought, if I could if I could turn this around, you know, if I could find my way out, 
I could teach them what a real comeback is. You know, that in saving myself, I could tell them that there's no such thing as too far gone. And that, that is the truth, man. That, that is ultimately, not only, I, I, you know what's funny is I taught myself <clears throat> that. I thought I was teaching them that, but I taught me that. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So you you wake up one day, you decide that you're, you've had enough, and you go climb on a treadmill, right? Pretty I mean, you much. Get you, get, you get a membership to a gym right away, you're going to change. Oh, hell no, I had a membership for like 10 years. <laughs> I just started using it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so I how- think my wife, my, my wife, ex-wife, but wife at the time, <clears throat> bought me a, a gym membership, which was a not-so-subtle suggestion, I guess, to change. But it was 10 years before I, I dusted that bad boy off and decided to use it. Well, and, and not to move on too quick, man. I, I think, you know, you've probably told your story so many times. You're, you're very used to it. But you really can't underestimate, and the listeners and people who's anything going through anything kind of like this, that, that power of the moment of decision to change, like that just – that just changed the whole direction of your life. You had probably, I don't know what that day was necessarily, how it all played out. It probably was just another day just like anyone else. But that particular day, you just you got whatever they say, sick and tired of being sick and tired. And the, the power of that, that moment of decision to actually change is, I mean, kind of speak to that if you can, because that is so powerful. People make New Year's resolutions and diets and you know what I mean? It's either you're going to change or you're not. And like I said, well, the way you the way you said it, man, is perfect because even though it's kind of a cliche thing to say, the power of the moment, it really is a singular moment, and we all have these times where you know this kind of I don't know, call it a different type of consciousness or a voice from outside or something happens where we get this piercing thought and it says, hey, you know what? Maybe I could go a different way. I could stop doing this. I could change. I could move in a new direction. But usually we just dismiss that. You know, we dismiss it and, and let it roll. And it only takes a second to go with that voice. And I feel like, you know, the the sky didn't open up, you know, the sky didn't open up and the angels sat down on my shoulders and clear this path out for me. You know, it was just a thought that was like, just, just today. You know what I mean? Like, what if, what if I just roll with this today? And sometimes you, if you just jump in that, trust it and roll with it and not try to overthink it, it can become huge. It can be that like the universe, right? The, the tiny, the universe existed in a pin sized thing at one point and exploded <laughs> in the singularity that became the entire universe. So, so are you and I, Yes. you know, and, and if I could, wouldn't have rolled with that, man, I could be sitting <clears throat> on a bar stool right now or, or be dead. I believe that totally. Yeah. Yeah. But instead, instead you've ended up not only becoming happy, but accomplishing some incredible athletic feats some feats of the mind the spirit the body running over 100 ultras over what 3500 mile plus races been through some crazy stuff and you know i the stories are i I love the stories because you know they're 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 hilarious they're hilarious and yet terrifying at the same time some of them when you talk about you know the the bad water death death valley race of hallucinating for eight hours at a time and uh you know things like that um you know the, the you had a year. What was what was the milestone year you did? Well, you did some crazy stuff, right? Yeah, I think the the biggest one that kind of jumps out was 2015 when I had my 10 years of sobriety, and I decided I was going to do 10 epic things to to kind of commemorate that. So 
Yeah, I kind of, you know, some people thought I lost it that year, you know, and went crazy. But for me, it was well, just like I, those 10. I, I want people to understand what those yeah. 10 things were. So they were, if I can recount them, let's see. The, the first one was the U.S. National Trail Championship, 100-mile trail championship in Texas. And then I went and ran. Uh, I, I tried to break the world record for the greatest distance run on a treadmill in 12 hours. I ended up setting the American record but missing the world record. And then I kind of included how many miles in 12 hours, 77 point something. But I actually did. I ran the, the, that, and then like, it was the next day, I think that I ran the LA marathon. So those were grouped into one, one event. (laughs) 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 Then I went out and I ran the Boston marathon four times in one day. The Boston quad, right? The quad Boston. Yep. And, you know, there's just a lot of it. I ran the Badwater 135. I ran Leadville. I did 100 miles on a treadmill. And I finished it all off with with 48 hours on the treadmill was the, was the final one. 48 hours. And uh, what was it, 188 miles? 186, I believe. Yeah. Oh, oh 186. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know what? But it's, it's one of those things, man, that's like Mile or it's, two. it's weird because that one strong moment, if we bring it back to that, right, like – that one strong moment is 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 a, is a powerful thing that we all have that ability inside to do that. The power of a choice, and each time you touch that place and you make another strong choice and another strong choice, that power grows exponentially. It's just like growing your bicep or or anything. There, all of a sudden, you you can barely lift something, and then you become ridiculously strong. And um, excuse me, my recovery taught me that. It taught me to put myself in a situation where. Man, I didn't want to run four, two days on a treadmill. It seemed impossible, and I I knew there were going to be times I wanted out. But I know that 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 the only way that I'll quit is if I give those voices that want to quit free rent in my head. Just like I used to give all those voices that told me to keep drinking and using and doing that, I gave them free rent in my head. I made them strong by feeding them my my thoughts and my energy. And if I just chop their legs out from under them, I'll find a way. You know, and that's that's the way it is for all of us. We'll find a way. Whatever it is you want, you are accomplishing everything on the top of your list. Just most people don't know what they put on the top of the list. Well, and it's and I was gonna say that a minute ago, man. The 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 narrative, the voice, the narrative that we tell ourselves, or has been told to us over years, or you know, like I said, or even what we tell ourselves. We the 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 lack of value we give ourselves to allow us to get into certain. Uh, situation. So, like again, man, going back to that 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 power of change. Let me ask you, man. And I know, I mean, Jesus, just listening and just knowing you and just knowing what you've done and where you came from, you have to have heard the whole whatever the you've exchanged one addiction for another, if you will, as far as the ultra running. But for me, just yeah. knowing you and knowing you have a Buddhist faith and just, just seeing just kind of how you are, this stuff doesn't define who you are. These are the things you've done and chose to get into to just better yourself as a human being. There is a seemingly existential value to kind of what you do and for me it doesn't seem like you've exchanged one addiction for another one could you know you could probably have like i said you probably had that argument with people but knowing you it doesn't seem like that's the case speak to that if you don't mind well yeah like everyone always wants the easy answer right like just just like i wanted the easy way out of addiction wanted the easy way out of weight loss People want the easy explanation for why I was able to do it when they couldn't or why so many people can't do it, right? Because 
the reality is most people don't lose a lot of weight and keep it off. Most people don't beat addiction. Most people don't run 100 milers. So they want this easy explanation. It's like, oh, well, he used to be this. He's got to still be that, right? Because people can't really change. <laughs> so he's just an addict and his drug has changed. And it's just a shortcut to thinking, right? <clears throat> Certainly there's some, some, some truth there, right? There's some truth to that to analyze it. And it's important because that was a possibility for me, right? Like I could have become that guy. But the way you know that when someone is traded an addiction or when someone was just kind of modified their behavior, they're the same person. Right. They they think the same way. They talk the same way. They act the same way. I, I live in a different world, man. Like the, the whole thing, the reason why I do the, the we are Superman thing is because, you know, Superman was just a regular guy on his planet. You know, he, he couldn't fly. He couldn't run fast. He couldn't shoot, you know, heat out of his eyes. None of that shit. His world exploded. His whole fucking world exploded. And if he survived the trip to Earth, that's where he got all his powers. So I look at my journey and everyone's journey as like explode the world you live in in favor of a new one. Nice. You'll become an entirely different, more powerful person. And that's what I did, man. I, I took that picture of me and caught that fucker on fire. And I could have, you know, tried to change addictions or things like that. But that's not what I was searching for. What I put at the top of my list was was happiness. Why was I miserable? Why was I lost in the first place? And I used running to explore that and find out about who I, you know, who am I? Who am I? If I was never an addict, if I would have, you know, gone to Harvard instead of, you know, gotten a GED, whatever. What? Who am I before any of that crap? Just I stumbled out of the woods. Who, who's David Clark? And, 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 and you go run, you go run forty-eight hours in a treadmill, man. You'll yeah. find a little bit about who you are. <laughs> well, and I mean, in all of that, you know, the the doctors at Harvard or whomever that I, I the, the the letters in front of their name, they feel define them. And you know, I've done this and this, and this yeah. just it's 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 very powerful to not allow your your life situation to define your life. You know what I mean? And that's kind of a again a larger existential conversation. So again, the Buddhist faith. You are, you know, you studied Buddhism, or I'm not sure if you're practicing Buddhist exactly, but how has that influenced, you know, your journey? So you know, you, just like anything else, right? Like I couldn't go from the first time I got on the treadmill, I could run 15 seconds, right? Run 15 seconds, walk a minute. Run 15 seconds, walk a minute. Eventually, that became 48 hours on a treadmill. Just like that, my spiritual journey was the same. You know, I didn't start out as a Buddhist. I didn't start out being in a in the in the place that I am now spiritually. But the important thing is that that was the direction that I was moving in. You know, I was open to that. I was open to to um, exploring that. And it was really two things happened. Two 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 moments in my life. Two years into my journey, I wasn't really sure. I don't think I could have sat on a podcast like this and really articulated. The difference between my sobriety, my weight loss, and my my running, you know, because it was all very jumbled up. Still, I wasn't exactly sure how that worked separately. But I had um, I had spinal surgery. I was I was told I should stop running. I was told that um, I needed to let that kind of stuff go. And you know, my first response was you know, okay, but not because you say so, right? Like maybe that's my story, but maybe not. Right. But it, it caused me to, to separate it all and go, okay, so now here I am two years in, what if I can't run anymore? Do I go back to the bar stool? You know, do I go and start telling everyone about running Ironman and running marathons and how cool that was while I'm sitting at the bar drinking again, right. you know? 
so that was huge for me because I had to let it go. I had to go, well, maybe I won't run again, but either way, I'm going to be okay because I choose happiness. You know, I'm not going to go backwards anymore. I'm not doing that. And then the other thing that happened was my divorce, you know, because the, the story is, right, you live happily ever after, you know, and, and you, you save yourself and you run 100 miles and you, you write a book and you live the storybook life, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the way it went. And it just occurred to me in, in dealing that with that because I had to go, oh, fuck. You know, I, had to, I started gripping like, like a little bit like the old me. Like I have this picture, man. Like, you know, I'm the, this family guy and I, and I got sober and I got my kids and I got all this stuff. And now people are kind of looking at me and thinking, you know, here, this guy's got it. He's figured it out. You know, now I'm divorced, you know. And, and so I felt that, that tinge, that old kind of like, I want to try to control what people think of me kind of thing, you know, and that's the thinking that that got me lost to begin with. And I, I eventually came to the conclusion that was, you know, what really fucks people up is like what you said, man, these these pictures, we we plan things out. We say, this is the way my life's going to go. This is the way it should be. And then when it falls apart, it's not that it fell apart. That's really the bad part. It's that you start mourning this loss of a future that was never going to happen. It was never meant to be. In one's inability and ada in adapting to changing, to, to, to that change, you know what I mean? They define so much yep. by their marriage, their job they were at for 30 years. So when that ends, they don't, they kill, sometimes kill themselves or whatever because they just don't know yeah. who they are off that. It's, it's, it's power. I mean, that's really, we all are going through that, you know what I mean? They're not allowing our Every life day. situations to define our lives for sure. And that's the surrender, right? Like, so just like the biggest surrender I ever had was the strongest moment of my life is when I laid on my bathroom floor and said, I'm beat, you know, this is, this is too big for me. And that's where all of my strength came from. The strength to fight the addiction came from admitting that the addiction was too big, you know? And the same thing happened after my divorce. It was like, you know, there, I, I can't control the future. I surrender that. So whatever I can work, I can change today. I can change today. I know how to do that. But I can't control what's going to happen, so I'm going to be open to what's going to happen. Life is too complicated to try to just say, okay, it's good now. Freeze it, right? Like I don't want anything else to change. It doesn't work that way. Life is nothing but change. And when I became open to that, that's where I feel like, and that was the same time I really delved into my Buddhist practice, that, um, hey, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be happy no matter what. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of the things that'll make other people kind of freak out. Hmm. I'm going to fucking skip and stomp into puddles. And Pat knows because he's, you know, he's, he's such a good friend. He, he knows everything that's going on in my life. I mean, I'm losing my business right now. You know, I, I'm starting over. I'm, I'm like financially devastated. And you know, that's, that doesn't mean shit to me. You know, that's, hmm. there's no, that losing a business is expensive. Losing your happiness is too expensive to manage. I'm not willing to do that. Right. Right. So as far as your, you know, let's talk about, the Buddhism and the practicing of that, of that mindset, that religion, that happiness, and and veganism. You know, which came first? Was it was it the mindset of wanting to eat healthier and truly clean your body out, or was it the, or was it was it Buddhism that prompted it? You know, it wasn't the the veganism was just uh, sports related. That was, you know, the universe is so fucking smart, man. You know, like <laughs> I feel like. It was swirling around me before I even know it, you know, because I looked at eating dairy and meat as just maybe potentially hurting my running, you know, right. so I let it go, 
to see how that worked. It worked great. I stuck with it. No big deal. Later, that came full circle back around and became like, how beautiful does this thing fit into the spiritual part of my life now? Because it's about compassion and nothing has to die for me to thrive, you know? And even though I'll never judge another human being for what they do, for me, when I think about the energy that transfers in life, you know, and in the way, just like I believe treating people good is going to create positive energy in my life that's going to come back to me. Like the same thing with, with eating animals, you know, an animal's last moment on earth is a fearful one because they're, they're, they're getting dead. You know? I don't know and what makes. I put that in my body. I don't know and what I makes me think of body. this. When I was younger, I saw a documentary on on Buddhist monks who every day bless their feet because they know the basically animals on a, on a micro level that are going to die as they walk. So it's like, how do yeah. we quantify which life is? You know what I mean? It's that kind of existential conversation. Which are the big lives that we can seemingly recognize the the most valuable, or even on that micro macro level or <coughs> micro level? Um, yeah. Anyway, I just th- thought about no, that. No, it's hundred percent, man. Going along with what Jeff's saying, you know, I've had some amazing conversations with with David. You know, when we talk about, I think that your journey has definitely been one of enlightenment, not only from you know going from being obese and you know, addicted to drugs and alcohol and miserable to, to happiness, but to seeing other things in the universe that you're not going to, you're not going to run across many people that are as enlightened who are going to talk about, you know, the human being being a radio and just receiving the waves of the universe. <laughs> right? Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's, and that is the nature of Buddhism, right? Like the, 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 to break it down to its most simple form, it's the desire to be awake to what's happening to the, the all of suffering that exists in the world is man-made and it comes from a lack of understanding the true nature of reality. That's it. You know, we, there's violence in the world, right? There's violence. Animals kill each other. Storms blow through. Things die. Things grow. Stars explode. There's random violence. But it takes a human being to look at what's happening and go, oh, that shouldn't happen. That's where the suffering comes from. Right? It takes that human interjecting itself into things to create the suffering. And in that sense, we can't end what's going to happen in the universe, but we can end our suffering as a result of it. We can say, oh, my friend has moved on. You know, yes, I'm sad and I'm going to miss them, but I don't have to suffer because of it because I'm going to die too. The true understanding of reality means I'm going to die. You're going to die. Everything's going to be gone from here. And all we're here is for experience, just experience. And that, and that almost gets back to the whole defining our reality externally, allowing things to define us when, in fact, the, the real definition is an internal one. Or understanding that you're choosing it, right? I think it's kind of part of human nature. I mean, if you become the Buddha, right, and you can let go of all of the desire and need to do that, you know, not many human beings, you know, the Buddha, Jesus, maybe have done that. But it's it's a tough tough goal to set, right? But within that process, moving in that direction, we can say, yeah, there are going to be times where I'm going to attach my identity a little bit to this thing and that thing, but understanding that that's pliable, that's malleable, and I can just as easily let that go and redefine myself in a new way when this thing no longer serves me, when this is no longer cultivating happiness in my life. Like if I lost the ability to run, it'd be like, that was a great ride, but okay, what's next? I'm not a runner. That's not who I am. I'm a seeker. And I can seek understanding through anything. It doesn't have to be running. 
Yeah, and again, it comes down to that choice again. The, the choice to recognize that suffering is is just a part of the thing, and the suffering just doesn't define you. And like you said, you know, yes. or Bruce said, you know, be water, my friend. Sorry, Pat, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I mean, the the suffering of hardship, whether it's self-inflicted or, or you just stumble into it, I mean, making it out the other side is something that, that definitely teaches you something about yourself. It does, man. And, and, the, and when you when you think about it, like what creates the real suffering, right? Is it the thing that happens or is it our need to understand it that really creates the suffering, right? Like hmm. like you said, yeah, you, you can stumble into things, bad things that can happen. Like, for, for example, like you know, we've, we've seen terrible things happen, right? Parents have like gotten into a car, driven out of their driveway. They're on their way to the grocery store. Bam. You know, a tractor trailer plows into them, their family's dead, right? Leaves leaves just the dad or just the mom. And they, they, that's horrible. Like, what a terrible, random thing that can happen. But where the real suffering lies is then for the rest of your life thinking, if I'd have left the house 10 seconds later, 10 seconds earlier, if I would have just gone to the store myself, dude, that's how you lose a whole life. I mean, you're life. just, that's us. Dude, you're describing like a like society. That's why we're all hopped up on whatever because we're just so in our own fucking minds and we just mind fuck ourselves because we just can't, <laughs> seriously, we cannot surrender. And that just that doesn't mean we have to be cool with it. Yes, but that yeah, no, exactly. We we just can't, can't surrender. We can't accept. No control. We, I, again, I've said this on the show before. We fucking trample other human beings for Black Friday sales and fucking iPhones. Like we are, we're fucked, man. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say we're fucked, but I mean, it's just it's. <laughs> and then and then look at what we do as a society, right? So in that example, like we we turn on Facebook and we see a parent crushing another parent because they want a cabbage patch kid or or that's look at you're just dating yourself you're dating yourself but that's the same. Xbox One right but that's the and eternal we thing sit, though we go, look at how terrible consumerism is yes it's like, no that person had a problem that manifested itself in that situation. Because you could put me in any situation, and I'm not going to stomp someone down right. for a Big Mac or for a, or a sale item, you know. Or the so whole. Uh, I, I saw the Black Panther movie, and my daughter. I, I was unaware of this whole. If your shoes are whack, people say, "What are those?" Like, because your shoes just aren't cool. It's like, get the fuck. I, like what? I mean, I get it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I get it, but it's just, it's so unacceptable. We just, this is just a, so a part of the problem. We're so externally validated, or we, we see, search for that external validation, and it's all just manifested. We hide. We hide. Like, when we, we, we give power to what we hide from, right? Like, if we hide from pain, if we hide from things being difficult, the biggest obstacle people have to losing weight is they want the easy way out. And if they accept it's going to be hard, they'll activate the strength they have to do the work. But instead, we hide from everything. We hide from pain. We hide from fear. And the Buddha said, you should hold your pain like a child. You should say, this is my pain, and this is why it happened, and, and let it breathe, then let it go. Because once you've accepted it, once you've felt it, once you've let it do, like in the example of loss, you're like, oh, I've lost my family. I've lost this person. And you feel it, and you hold it. And then you can let it go. But if you spend your whole life running from it, it ain't going anywhere. Uh, you know, and we talk about, you know, the the stuff that's going to inevitably happen in all of our lives. We're going to lose loved ones. We're going to have tragedies. We're going to have sicknesses, you know, accidents, all this crazy stuff that happens. But then we have to transition to the things, transition to the things that we deliberately inflict on ourselves, such as entering the bad water 135. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So <laughs> I wanted to hold my pain for 135 yeah. miles. So let's just give this example. It's a it's a race that is 135 miles long through Death Valley up into the mountains. It's the the temps. Uh, the one, one of the times it ran it was what 131 degrees. Is that what it was? Yeah. Gee, yeah. Christmas. And you have God. to run. You have to run while in the valley. You have to run on the white line so that your shoes don't delaminate and come apart because of the heat. Correct. That is truth. Yes. And during this race, you somehow. Um, and did you, you pretty much knew that you were going to be, did you know you were going to get that bad and hallucinate for eight hours? No, because I'd actually managed to do the whole race once without hallucinating. Okay. You know, and, and, but I had, that was during my, my Zen Epic 10, my, my 10 year, <clears throat> um, you know, when I did the 10 Epic events to celebrate 10 right. years of recovery. When, when you were, you were, you were hitting on all cylinders, obviously, and something came off the, the wheels came off on this particular journey through death Valley and you, yeah. you, the, you started having a conversation with the white line, correct? It is, man. You know, it's funny is every race I go into, I might have some, some external goals like time placement, you know, wanting to do it faster. Um, but ultimately I've always said my, my goal, my ultimate goal is to learn something about myself. I didn't know. And, you know, sometimes you tempt the gods with those things. Right? <laughs> I went in there with this internalized goal of like coming in the top five but instead, I needed to, the universe wanted me to learn what would happen in a race where there was no hope of finishing it. Because my legs got chopped out from under me. You know, I've talked about on other podcasts and my own that I, I lost 10 pounds in the first couple hours. And I was hallucinating early on. In fact, by the 50-mile point, I was in dead last place. Everyone behind me had dropped out of the race. <laughs> <laughs> and I was falling down. I was literally... I would go from running to just falling down in the street and I would lay there for 20 or 30 seconds and then jump up and start running again. And then I'd fall and I'd run. I would start hallucinating. I mean, just, I just lost it, man. Like I lost everything. I lost the ability to calm my mind. I was kind of panicking and uh, sleep deprivation, extreme heat, dehydration, all these things don't mix well together. You know? All right. So what, what was your, what was your, what was your your crew saying that you were you were arguing with the white line, correct? Well, what happened is so I'm at sorry. one point, what happened? You're you know it's it's night, and there's stars everywhere. It's a beautiful race, you know, aesthetically, and you got a headlight on your head, and you're looking down at the white line, and the headlight is reflecting off the white line. So the white line started to just get bigger and bigger and more pronounced. Then it eventually started spinning around like a tube, just kind of spinning. And then it eventually like broke open, formed a mouth and started talking to me. And <laughs> it would told me his name was Desmond and he was telling me some fucked up shit. He was telling me that um, I needed to quit, that I didn't belong out here, that this race was for the best athletes in the planet. And you're just a, a fat ass former drunk, you know, that uh, you, you faked your way out here before. These are real athletes. You don't deserve <clears throat> to be here. Just go home. You know, and wow. what were your responses? <laughs> Fuck off, clearly. <laughs> uh, I was quite invested in believing him, actually. <laughs> you know, you get worn down to that point where you're emotionally vulnerable. You know, that sounded sounded like he was making a lot of sense. And, and I mean, this this goes back to what we were talking about, the narrative, the you conversation. Just gave, you just, gave, you just gave a white line personhood. You just said, you just said he. <laughs> well, his name was Desmond, I was right. assuming. I'm waiting for someone to call me racist because it was a white line. 
Yeah. I mean, you started sounding like you started sounding like Trudeau calling it like humankind. No, but well, this I sometimes tr- have I sometimes have conversations where I f- refer to my brain as as him too, like person, like, person kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like we don't want to do this. But this, this this truly goes back to this conversation we started out with, the narrative, the conversation we tell ourselves. This plays out in so many different forms, and in your way, you had transformed your life, uh, life a lot. You were, you know, you're racing this huge race, and that conversation is still going on with you. And this really goes back to the conversation, uh, Pat, you were having with Joe when he brought up ultra running that you were doing with Leadville. And people probably had to have found that very fascinating, that you were like, dude, fighting 25 minutes is nothing. When you start talking about, like you said, looking at a mountain, knowing that you have to cross that thing the the battle is within yourself that's like obviously no it is back to that real quick before you talk about that no because the the important thing is like all of that negative shit that was coming out which is obviously me right that was coming because last time i was at badwater a year earlier i dnf'd and it's so important that when we're when we're engaged in that battle with ourselves, right sometimes it actually becomes an actual battle with yourself if you run badwater but that (laughs) I think I was giving me what I needed, right? Because I could have taken that and said, you know what? You're right. I'm out of here. But there was another part of me that was like, if I DNF here at Badwater again, I'm done. I might never come back from that. So my body gave me the beast that I needed to defeat. And I did that by saying, I don't care if I don't finish. I'm not quitting ever again. I'm not quitting out here. So it became keep going no matter what. And that's what I needed. That is the battle that I needed to fight. And I actually finished that bad water faster than I did my other finishes, which is crazy. But, but I think that's the important thing that, that, you know, you could take it either way. You could say, Oh, well, all of this negative shit's coming up. Obviously, you know, you got some deep shit going on or you could choose to, to define it. Right. Like once again, I said, no, this is not going to define me in a bad way. This is going to define me in a good way. I'm going to beat this fucker down and I'm going to come out on the other side. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a massive, massive mental, awesome. mental war that goes on. And yeah, I mean, like I was telling Joe on his show, it's fighting is literally, you know, of course, going in fights with severe injuries that hamper your performance and, and this and that. And I think a lot of fighters have, have had to do that just to pay their bills and things. But, but minus that, when you go in hitting on all cylinders and you're just in an all out fight and you're just, you're going at it, you're, you, you literally, I mean, the fatigue doesn't exist because it's only 25 minutes. You can be huffing and puffing and lactic acid building up and you're battling at a thousand miles an hour with somebody who's a great athlete and a great fighter, um, you know, evenly matched, whatever it is, trying to think your way through it and, and do that. It's only 25 minutes and, and a lot of people, you know, will fall apart in one minute in a fight, you know, physically. They just, even fighters that are well conditioned. You know that, that get in front of large crowds and cameras and lights and everything else, panic and freak out, and the adrenaline dump and no shit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get knocked out on worldwide TV, whatever it is. They fall apart. But you know, you spend hour after hour after hour running, um, and you start doubting yourself, man. That's, you know, I, I, it just the the whole getting through it thing. It's 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 a unique, a unique physical, mental, spiritual experience, and it's. It's so much harder than fighting. I just can't even explain it. Yeah. What's the greatest gift we could have as human beings, right? When I think of what I want for my kids more than anything is I want them to believe in themselves. You know what I mean? Like I can't be there for them. So I want to know that whatever they face in their life, that they can figure out a way to believe in themselves. And and you will learn that. 
in ultra marathon running hmm. or you will not do it. There, there's no yeah. middle ground. Right, right. So um, before we let you go, Dave, I'd like to talk a little bit about your your podcast, We Are Superman. I mean, you've had some really kick-ass guests on there, a lot of, a lot of cool personalities you've had. I mean, gosh, Steve Austin. Yeah, man, I've been so blessed. You know, like this one thing the book did is in addition to providing me a perspective on myself from just the process of writing it and having that relate to other people, it's it's opened up some doors and brought people into my life that I could have never imagined, and, and including you, my friend. Like, we've talked about it before. I I used to sit on a fucking bar stool and watch you fight, man, and, and now we get to hang out together, and that's what a great gift that the universe has given me. And because of that, when I launched my podcast, I guess I'm I had, just chopped liver know, over here. Then that's why. That's why. That's why. I was gonna get you, man. <laughs> I'm just joking, you, baby. But. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I've had guys like Rich Roll and Steve Austin and Vinny Paz and Ultra Runners and Vinny Paz, you know, crazy some, some man. badass, some badass Ultra Runners. The the girl that what's the girl's name that finished the 240 mile race? What ten hours ahead of everyone? Courtney DeWalter, man, that podcast releases tomorrow on Monday. I'm oh, not sure cool. this one will release, but yeah, she's amazing, man. Like she, she's, she's like the ultimate grinder beast. Like that, you can learn so much. I can, I learned so much from having her on my podcast about about grinding it out. You know, you, you that's the beautiful thing again about ultra. And I'm sure fighting or anything's the same way, man. Like you, you can never learn it all. You can never learn it all. And, and listen you know, to what she's saying. This is, and I, I, I've never, I've never seen her before. I've never seen her before or anything like that. So this is, but I'm just, I'm just in a roundabout way saying, you know, a girl that can run 240 miles fast, 10 miles fast, 10, 10 hours faster than everyone else. Do I really want to be in a sexual relationship with a girl like that? <laughs> um, ha- having sat, having sat and talked to her, the answer is yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, she's a sweetheart. I'm gonna get in without, trouble without, 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 but, without Please do not give the Me Too movement any more. Please do not give the Me Too movement any more fodder. It's like it's like my my dad's the vice president of the company that makes Viagra. All right, we'll date. <laughs> You're out of control. Right. But well, but you the, know, it just can, it can become a test of endurance, right? You get two endurance athletes together, and it's like who's going to blink first? Well, right? but the crazy thing is, like, you talked about <laughs> on Joe's show, bro. Like she just doesn't look like it. You got these cats now who just are so unassuming in their in their presentation. They're not. You would never think they're beasts, but they're just like as Pat said, bringing in record breaking ten hours. It's, it's insane. She runs in like basketball shorts. Like she has like past two past her knee basketball shorts and like a cotton t-shirt. And I'm not even joking. If you like Google her and check out pictures of her, she looks like she's out, you know, slow jogging the neighborhood 10 K and instead she's destroying like the men in the competition too. Like going to go finish sleep 10 hours, then come back and check you at the finish line. But that's the ultimate thing about ultra running again, because it's so spiritual because it's so mental that it does set up these crazy dynamics where women do win these things even outright sometimes. Pam Reed won Badwater two years in a row outright. Crazy. That's incredible. It's it's very cool. You wonder if like fifty years are we gonna are we gonna see a woman beat a man in the cage? Like is that is that even possible? Like what is possible? You know, I mean Ronda Rousey I'm sure can beat a lot of men. Well, if you want to see it, we can arrange it. I'll go fight Cyborg. I mean, if, if people really want to see it, I, <laughs> I mean, get destroyed. <laughs> you know, sign me up. 
whatever I can yeah. do to help out. Yeah, I can just see the pay-per-view commentators. What, David Clark, that's a that's a that's an odd-shaped protective cup. Yeah. <laughs> what what was the deal, Dave? I thought you had a fight lined up. I, I must have missed the news. Did you have something you were? What, what happened with that? You know, man, it's been tough. Like the the grappling's been really hard on my body. I mentioned that I had spinal surgery, and I can stand, I can strike, um, but just something about the twisting on the ground that has just. Um, Every time I get a little bit of a buildup, I end up getting kind of injured. So I think, you know, Pat and I have talked about it a little bit, and I think I'm going to just kind of have to pivot a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to have to say I can stand and strike, so I think I'm going to try to box. I think I'm going to try to find a, a good boxing match and um, still live out my, my dream of taking a fight, um, but have to just do it a little different than I than I thought it would go. Ad- adapt- Adaptation. Boxing is a blast, so by all means, let's do it. Yeah, man. Oh, I have to fight you? Fuck that. Let's do it. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) You know I'd fight you, man. It might not be fun for the fans, but then I could, like, say I I fought Pat Melitich. Oh, my goodness. have a one-mile-by-one-mile cage. (laughs) I'm going to fight one person. One-mile. block. city block. It'd be a Mayweather fight. It'd be a fucking, you know, (laughs) track track meet. I love that. That's awesome. We still got a 40-yard dash to do, man. Sprinter versus power athlete for charity. I'm going to smoke Militich. 40-yard dash is going to happen. Well, uh, we're, we're reading the comments from, from Pat's appearance on Joe, they were, they were quite astounded. versus long-retired power athlete. Yeah, as I say, they were quite astounded by the 4440 and the 375 bench press. Reading some of the comments on the, from Pat was on Joe, people were just like, he can slam dunk. What? He got a four four what? Like that's a dude. Pat Militich in his Rogan prime. Too, man. What's that? We'll have a, a three way fight a run. We'll get Rogan in there too. I would love he to hear you on Rogan, dude. He you guys you guys could I think have a great conversation. Hopefully you guys met and exchanged some info so that could possibly happen. I'd love it, man, because it'd be cool. I think what I would like to talk about um is because he has like he had David Goggins on, and I love David. And David's awesome. Yeah, you know and, that guy. Uh, that dude's insane, man. That yeah. guy's story is nuts. He's awesome, man. He's great, and I like I can't wait. I'm gonna have David's coming on my podcast in November. Um, but uh, like I can't wait to have this conversation about how because I agree with him, man. Right? Like he's he's there. Like I agree with him on everything he's done, his life, and how you make change happen. But there's that other side to it too. Like you can make that a prison. Like you can make that an absolute prison, and I want to talk to him about that and like see what his thoughts are wow. about that. Because ultimately, you have to be as aggressive, creating peace in your life as you are overcoming. Otherwise, everything's a war, everything's a battle. He's another cat that went through that very similar the moment of decision. Like he just went through some shit yeah. and was like, you know what? Fuck this, man. Fuck this. <laughs> Seriously, man. That guy's a powerful story, man. I, I, that's. I'm, Ladies and gentlemen, man, Anthony Robbins, who we are beating in the iTunes podcast ratings, I remember something he said, in the moment of decision, fuck your destiny guy. is for... Yeah, fuck him, but I'm just saying, in the moment of... to his ribcage there. In the moment of decision is where your destiny is formed, and I've always kind of carried that with me, quite frankly, because really, I mean, once you decide, man, it's a powerful thing, man. It's not just a 30-day diet or something temporary. It's like, either you're going to change or you're not, Period. At the moment of commitment, the universe conspires to ins- assist us. That's how it happens, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's the way it works, man. Like that's if we bring it full circle back to where we started, right? Like the moment the addict, the person losing weight, the person in a traumatic relationship, the person that needs to overcome some big thing in their life, the moment the pain of staying there is greater than the pain of moving forward, not only will they move forward and change, but everything will open up for them. They will not be dissuaded. They will not stop. It will happen. And, and for family members, especially with addicts, I talk, family members are like, make no, I, because they're afraid, right? They're afraid their person is going to keep going like that forever. And they're afraid if they say the wrong thing, they tap dance around them. Like, there's nothing you can say to an addict to get them sober. And once they decide to get clean, there's nothing you can say to knock them off the path either. They'll make it happen. Just well, choose. Strong shit, Just man. Choose. Without a doubt. Well, shout out any social networking, man. Where can we find you? Where can we find the book? Are you know, author of Out There, A Story of Life After Re- or Life of Recovery. I mean, dude, you're amazing story, dude. You but just, where, where can we track just, you down? You just butchered the title of my book. Out There. <laughs> a Story of Ultra Recovery. I'm st- <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> oh. You said a life after recovery. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, I'm not doing well. I told you. I told before the show started. I'm just. You should. You should what, what was the other name you? What was the other name you butchered of our guest? Hey, stop time? it! I love Doctor Farrell. <laughs> Doctor Joseph P. Doctor Joseph P. Like three times, and Doctor <laughs> Farrell because it's actually Farrell. Doctor Joseph Farrell. I'm sorry, man. I'm I'm not. Hey, yeah. look. No one, no one claimed to be perfect on this show. We're doing our absolute best, ladies and gentlemen. Just like Kenny Rice says, man, you get the name wrong, you just keep rolling. <laughs> so anyway, back to your stuff. Back to you your stuff, speak man. it to me incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Fuck yes, dude. Um, we are Superman. Everything. Uh, my website, wearesuperman.com. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's all We Are Superman, and the book's on Amazon. Thanks, man. Everything. Without you guys a, are awesome. He's a fucking hero, man. You are still, I love you, brother. Pat, I love you too, my man. This has been another fantastic episode, man. Very uplifting, dude. You can never get enough of Mr. Dave Clark. We need to get you on my podcast next, Jeffrey. Talk to me, Goose. Talk to me. I'd love it. I'd love it. I would be more than happy to. Love it. We'll do it. We'll make it happen. Thank you, David. Appreciate your time, brother. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you to all of the new listeners. Click and support the farm at the PayPal link below. If you want a T-shirt, go ahead and click on that bad boy. Make sure you let us know the size of the shirt, the color, the type of font you want, where we need to send it, mailing address, etc. Peace and so much love. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. There will be more.